Does he say that? Yeah. I've watched it. I just know, like, every one he sings some of his, like, ads. Which, like, sell out, am I right? <laughs> um, Hello. Hello. And welcome back to the What Happened Podcast. Episode 5? I think it's 5. Okay. Hey, and I just want to say, for all the repeat listeners, thanks for sticking around. For anyone new, though, let's just... I'm just going to tell you right now, this is a history podcast where myself, Ryan, and my co-host, Owen... Um, we take a look at some of the stranger, wackier, or just downright funny events to happen in history. So today we have a very special episode. Um, I also feel like we don't tell the stories very well, yeah, at least in my opinion. That's true. You know, I get like two pages worth of stuff. I never read off of it. And then I just stare at a lava lamp. <laughs> I turned it on just for you. Today. I appreciate that. I'll do my best not to stare at it. I promise. Um, we have a theme today, Owen. We do. What are we gonna call the theme? Stranded? I think stranded is sunken good. alive. What, what? Mine's sunken alive. Let's I'm, go stranded. I have no idea what your story is. Okay, so yo, stranded in the deep. Is that an Adele song? Is there a song like that with Adele? In the Rolling deep. in the yeah, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and if you were on an uninhabited island. Well, it wouldn't what, be uninhabited. Well, you know the like you know that question like what three movies would you bring? Yeah. What movies would you bring? On Desert Island, Anchorman one and two, obviously. And uh, the third? I don't need a third. <laughs> <laughs> I have Anchorman one and two. <laughs> okay. Forty-year-old so, virgin. Okay. Big Steve Carell fan. <laughs> have you ever read the book uh, Robinson Crusoe? I don't. Neither have no, I. I but read. apparently, it's a very famous book. Um, it's about a man, Robinson. That made sense. Yeah. Crusoe. Like Robinson's hardware? No. <laughs> Robinson Crusoe, who uh, gets abandoned on this tiny island off the coast of Venezuela all by himself. Ooh, so like, never mind. I was going to say tropical paradise, but it never is. Well, during his time on the island, uh, he runs into all manner of uh, island hijinks, you know, cannibals, captives, uh, mutineers, you name it. Goddamn Venezuelans. Wait, yeah. is this, uh, so it's an island off Venezuela? Yeah. Was it Aruba? I don't know. I might have been a fictional island. I've never read it. I thought this was a real story. I thought this was your story. This is... I'll just be quiet. You tell me a story. So, the story, Robinson Crusoe, what if I told you, Owen, that is based on the real-life events of a man named Alexander Selkirk, who spent four years and four months on an uninhabited island in the South Pacific. Four years? And four months. Dude, he had to look like golden tan by the time he was done with that. <laughs> yeah, probably just had skin cancer. <laughs> also, yes, yeah. So Selkirk was uh, Alexander Selkirk was born the son of a shoemaker in 1676. In his early life, he was uh, in and out of trouble with the law for you know the usual things like indecent conduct in church and assaulting his brothers. I, I like the first one more. <laughs> I feel like that's different. So, uh, he became a privateer pretty much to get out of his punishment. So just like a, uh, aren't they like glorified pirates? So, uh, a privateer right. is, yeah, they're just like told by their nation to go like raid other nations. Yeah. So he's oh, paid he, the ship he works for is paid by the English government yeah, of course. to raid Spain, mostly Spain, sometimes France, but basically anyone on the high seas who's an enemy of England, the privateers go after. Sounds like a dope job. It sounds pretty fun, so except like, for when you learn what happened to this guy. And, like, living on a boat with a bunch of dudes and, like, shitting in a hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much. So, in 1703, Selkirk set out on a privateer voyage to the South Pacific. 
the leader actually it wasn't the South Pacific. Right, yeah, Venezuela is not in the Pacific Ocean. Well, dude, it's not. This isn't this. The story is based on it. It's, it's not. I'm the, so it's confused. It's not a biography. Okay, dude. all right, all right. So the original plan uh, for Selkirk and his uh, crew um, was to. Is he the captain? He is not the captain. We will get there. Okay. He, the original plan was to um, ambush Spanish galleons returning from um, Buenos Aires. Okay. Um, going to Spain. So. Um, that's still yeah, not the Pacific. That's the Atlantic. You're a smart man. Yeah. Owen. But you said this. We'll get there. Did they just like wild? we'll get there okay all right <laughs> so the leader of this voyage was uh william dampier uh dampier would lead the voyage and captain the saint george while selkirk sailed on the sister ship the sink port it's, oh, it like means five ports in french and it's a dumb name for a ship oh say like cinco yeah i got there um so uh selkirk would spend a year attacking foreign ships and raiding coastal villages and by all accounts, Selkirk was a skilled fighter and navigator. He was uh, given a fair amount of responsibility. Um, in one account, I saw that he was put in charge of a prize ship, which basically, like, if they capture a ship, they'll put all the loot on that ship, and then he was in charge of that ship. So that's like, that seems pretty important. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was also given the title uh, Sailing Master, so he was, like, responsible for navigating. Okay. Um and then, so these two ships, the uh, Sinkport and uh, the St. George, set out from Ireland in 1703. And uh, they were doing that original plan to ambush people coming back from Buenos Aires. Um, but that didn't really go well for them. I guess they just couldn't find people. So they decided to sail east instead to the South Pacific by way of Cape Horn. Okay, Owen. What do you think that means? By way of Cape Horn. Well, they go under South America. I, no. What? Did you say then, like, Buenos Aires? No. They're going east. They're sailing east. Yeah, from what, like, England? To the South Pacific. Oh, I'm thinking west. My compass is upside <laughs> down. Yeah, okay, okay. All right, all right. So under Africa. But yeah. they're going by way of Cape Horn, which makes me think that they're going through the Strait of Gibraltar, <clears throat> like, Mediterranean Sea to the Red Sea to the Gulf of... Um, yeah, but that, that strait isn't there yet yeah well that's what i thought i mean they could have just hugged africa to not get lost you know what i mean like they knew africa was there but they probably didn't know anything else so they probably just hugged it kept it to their left as they worked their way up so i looked at a, a, a picture of the canal <clears throat> that goes from the mediterranean to the red sea yeah and it looked... suez canal is that it i was trying to figure it out last week and you just kept saying the panama canal <laughs> <laughs> well it looks very modern and like very man-made yeah that was so, my question last week man suez canal yeah uh, when was it made it was a map in a battlefield game is that battlefield one about 2142 the weird one that no one played i didn't even know there was a game continue continue <laughs> <laughs> so anyways it i spent like three hours looking at this last night i don't know why they call it by way of cape horn you might as well call it like by way of Portugal, Morocco, Senegal, Cameroon, Angola, South Africa, Mozambique, Horn of Africa, Oman, India, Burma, and Vietnam. I like that you just mapped that out for us. Thank you. So I don't. So they they, they just hugged. They kept the continent to their left. But it, it, it by but anyways they went by way of Cape Horn. I'm gonna like, keep it to your left. You don't get lost. Exactly. So on their way, uh, they they ended up on the west side of Chile. Um, during their voyage around uh, Cape Horn of Africa. Um, and the, yeah, so when they were like going around the, 
uh, Horn of Africa, the sink port had hit, uh, a, an outbreak of scurvy, and the captain died. So um, they put a new captain in charge, uh, 21-year-old Thomas Stranding, Strandling, I think it is. And uh, he was apparently a real jag. Um, what do you do? A, He's just not a pleasant man, I guess. Uh, so put him in charge of the treasure. Yeah, he's 20. Dude, imagine you're 21 year old and you're like in charge of a bunch of pirates. I'd have an attitude. You know? Yeah, I'd have a dude. Yeah. So uh, they're west of Chile and they desperately need supplies. So they stop at uh, the Juan Fernandez Archipelago and they stop on this tiny little island called uh, Mas a Tierra for food and water. Um, so at this time, Alexander decided to speak up to the captain and say like uh the called the, him a dick no he well his concern was that the sink port was no longer seaworthy uh, that's a good concern it, i feel like <laughs> apparently the hull had an infestation of worms and was like incredibly leaky and they just made like a really long voyage in it yeah and so like it's not it's not going back it's not going back <laughs> so Apparently, Selkirk jokingly said, like, I'd rather stay on this island than keep sailing on this ship. And now, oh, wrong words there, huh? (laughs) If I, if, like, me, the navigator of your boat comes to you and says, hey, Cap, like, this ship isn't safe. We got to fix something here. Like, what would a normal response to that be? Uh, Not kick you off. Exactly. But But this is also, like... You know, glorified pirates. So, Strandling basically just goes, nah, you're getting on that island, Alex. Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, Selkirk was left on the island of Mas a Tierra with clothes, bedding, a musket, some powder, bullets, tobacco, a hatchet, a knife, a kettle, a Bible, and his, like, uh, mathematical instruments, and a couple books. Question for you. Do you know, was it... Like multiple bullets, because I know pirates used to like abandon people on a island and then just give them a gun with like a single bullet as like the chicken way out. I think you're basing that off of Pirates of the Caribbean one. No, that's also it is also a real thing. I think he was given multiple. Look, I'm not gonna flex on you, but I read a pirate book last year. (laughs) (laughs) I think I bought it in an airport. (laughs) I think they gave him multiple bullets. Okay. (laughs) Um. Apparently, he immediately regretted his decision. I as, would. As they were sailing away, and he, like, charged after the boat. It was like, guys. It's <laughs> um, a prank gone wrong. <laughs> but uh, Strandling did not turn back for him. Dude, that's they, rough, they man. They kept sailing away. How do you think the morale on that boat was after that? It was probably just like, listen, this is the one guy that is concerned <laughs> for our safety. Everyone here thinks we're going to drown. Did you also say he was the navigator? Yeah. So he's, like, also the one guy that can, like, truly get you back? They probably had a backup navigator. Or they just you know, keep chili to their left and they'll be fine. There you go. I feel like no one cracked a joke that entire ride back. Oh, that would I'd be, be terrified. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm not speaking up to Cap. No. He just <laughs> left Alex on a freaking island. <laughs> um, so that's how uh, he found himself all alone on an uninhabited island 400 miles off the coast of Chile. What year was this? I'm sorry. 1703, I believe. Okay. Um. And because the island is 400 miles away from Chile, he, like... That's a tough swim. Out of the question to build a raft or yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, so what do you do when you're stuck on an uninhabited island? Such a dick move. But, like, uh, I don't know. Like, you freaking get to work. I'm going to say eat a turtle. <laughs> so um, Selkirk uh, built two long huts out of pimento trees and covered them in leaves and lined the floors with goat hides. So he's, you know, pretty cozy. They gave him goat hides? Oh, they gave him clothing, you said, right? So... 
Um, or do you just like kill a couple of other goats on this like we'll random get there. island? Okay, we'll right, get there. All right, all right. Um, the island also had seals and a bunch of plums and fresh drinking water. Love a good plum. Um, initially, when he arrived, he was constantly attacked by rats when he slept. That sounds awful. So what do you freaking do, Owen? You tame some cats. I mean, I feel like you just let a fire. Apparently, there were um, a bunch There's of cats? Feral cats all over this island. So people have been there before, obviously. There's cats. Yeah, but no one lives there. So Dick just left a cat behind. So he would feed the cats, and then the cats would stay in his house, and yeah. they'd kill all the rats for him. That's actually kind of cool. That's a freaking genius. Yeah, I like him. I mean, besides making a joke to get yourself kicked off a boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so he also had a big thing for goats. How do you mean? <laughs> uh, so goats were pretty much his main food source. In the four years that he was marooned there, he captured over 500 goats. Uh, it's just a lot of goats on an island. I When I think tropical, like p- South Pacific island, I don't think of a goat. Well, it's like southeast pacific regardless it's not like japan theater of war it's no like, no i, I yeah like it's pretty much south america yeah but like goats yeah i don't know how clearly people just brought goats and like a cat and then it was like hey prank <laughs> yeah so um yeah he, he captured 500 goats while he was there um he used to do this thing where um he if he would find a young goat and then just maim it like break its leg or something in the event that he got injured and couldn't run as fast he would still be able to outrun the goat oh and kill the goat yeah so future proofing right there <laughs> he's thinking ahead jesus um i mean it's smart just he also apparently used to just catch goats for fun he would just chase down some goats tackle them and then he would like cut a notch in their ear so that he, if he caught it again, he'd be like, ah, I caught this one already. I mean, how else are you going to pass the day? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can only read the Bible so many times. Um, uh, one time he almost died chasing a goat. He, uh, he and the goat tumbled off a cliff. <laughs> and the only reason he survived is he landed on the goat. He landed he? on the goat. <laughs> and uh, he was left in a daze for like three days. Concussion? He, I think he just had a concussion. He was staring at the sky on top of a dead goat for three days um i saw one source that said he used to pass the time by dancing with the goats oh my god you know like when you let your dog jump up on you and you like you like grab their front paws and you like dance a little bit with them i think he did that with goats wild (laughs) i i'm just i have nothing to say to this (laughs) so anyways february 2nd 1709 rolls around and the uh two privateering ships led by woods rogers uh, happened upon Selkirk's island. When the privateers found him, Sel- uh, Selkirk was just insanely happy because he's like, I'm finally getting off this rock. Um, he, while, like, while the two ships were staying there, he would catch goats for the cruise. Like, cause they were, what a nice guy. Yeah, they were there to restock, and yeah. he was like, hey, let me get you some goats. <laughs> so, <laughs> some like, crazy dude comes up on the island yeah. with his goats. He apparently also um, helped uh, some of the crew suffering from scurvy. He just jammed some plums in their mouth or something. I'll do it. Vitamin C. Yeah. Um, so Rogers was so impressed by this that he made Selkirk his second mate, uh, the second mate of the Duke, which is one of the um, ships that so was on his privateering voyage. Some guy voyage. got demoted because a like, dude was from some like goat loving like <laughs> island living dude. <laughs> Imagine working so hard that you're like, yes, I'm finally the second mate. 
And then you find a castaway, and the captain's like, nah, this guy's got it. <laughs> you seen him tackle a goat? <laughs> uh, he also put Selkirk in charge of all his prize ships. Jeez, okay. So, Selkirk quickly returned to privateering. How long was he on the island for? Four years and four months. Oh, that whole thing was four years? Yes. It's a quick four years. Um, there's not like a ton of... I mean, I doubt he really documented stuff. Yeah, it's more like most of the information comes from what he told Woods Rogers, and then Woods Rogers has a retelling Spun of it. Spun it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he quickly returned to privateering. Uh, he would go on to lead boat missions up rivers and took part in the uh, capture of a Spanish galleon. Do you want to know what it's called on? Yes. Nuestra Señora de la Encarnación y Desengroña. They renamed it to The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> what did that roughly translate to prior? I didn't look it up. All right. I also I said that wrong. There were some Enyas missing. Cause I mean, you, can't, you, you can't said Señora. The Lady of something? Yeah, the Lady of whatever comes next. The Lady <laughs> of The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, so uh, after his... Um, after he like was privateering on the Duke for a little while, he returned to England and when he returned, he was kind of a minor celebrity. Uh, his story was mentioned in a book called, so like Tom Hanks. Yeah, exactly. You know, when he comes back, they give him a feast. I don't, I actually don't know what you're talking You've about. You've never seen a uh, castaway? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, comes yeah. back and they give him a feast and he like goes to his wife and she's like, yeah, I moved on. But, like, didn't, I guess. And like gave him a car or something. Continue. He has a book. <laughs> um, this guy, Selkirk, did not have a volleyball, unfortunately. So, yeah, his... Uh, oh, yeah, he had goats. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a volleyball when you have a goat. <laughs> uh, so, Selkirk's story was mentioned in a book called A Voyage to the South Sea and Round the World, uh, published in 1712. Um, articles were written about him in London newspapers, so, you know, he's kind of a big deal. Um, his share of the wealth that the Duke plundered was around 800 pounds, which is roughly 120,000 pounds today. Still not worth four years. So he could have, I mean, he could have lived a nice quiet life. Um, but apparently the normality of his, uh, new life in England kind of got to him a little bit. He missed the goats. He missed the goats. He missed the solitude. He missed the chase. So occasionally, um... He would leave his house and just go sit in a cave for a while to calm himself down. Um, we've all been there. I mean, I get it. <laughs> I hate people, so. Uh, eventually, he married someone in 1717, um, but quickly returned to the sea, this time joining the Royal Navy as in an anti-piracy mission around the west coast of Africa. Um, however, in 1721, he caught the yellow fever and was buried at sea. Aww. Yeah, kind of a bummer, right? Can't just hold on to his corpse, circumnavigate, put him on the island with the goats. That's what I wanted, but right? that, that would have been so, much so inconvenient. Also, his That's... body would have been just yeah, disgusting like by the time they got Stewing in the there. bottom of the boat, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to know what the best part of the story is? Uh, yes. So, Selkirk, right? He tells his captain that the boat is unsafe, gets marooned, attacked by rats in his sleep, survives off goats for four years, and eventually rescues. Sounds pretty terrible, right? Yeah. But the sink port, within a month of marooning Selkirk, sank off the coast of Peru. I was going to ask you what happened to them. Okay. (laughs) Did they all die? uh, A lot of them died, and the ones that didn't were captured by the Spanish. Oh, geez. (laughs) Well, what what happened to the captain? uh, I assume he was Went down with the ship, right? No, he doesn't seem like the type of guy. I also don't think that's, like, truly real. Yeah. 
I'm gonna, I wouldn't freaking go down with my ship. <laughs> I'd be freaking pushing people out. Yeah, I'd be pushing. No, I'd be pushing people out of my way <laughs> as I'm like, I'm getting Get off. off this lifeboat. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna ask you what happened to them. So he came out on top, really, and he was definitely correct. Yes. That sucks. Um. Now, depending on who you ask, Selkirk is the model for the book. The Life and Surprising Adventures of Robin Cru- Robinson Crusoe. Okay, full it's, circle. It's generally accepted that this book is based on him. However, I have a bone to pick with National Geographic. Uh-oh. National Geographic is the one source that I have found that disputes that this book is based on uh, Alexander Selkirk. But I can't even freaking read their article, Owen, because it's locked behind a paywall. Is it really? Yeah. Freaking National Geographic, just let me read your website. Jeez. Trying to do research for a podcast. Yeah, don't they know? Hey, Mr. I mean, you could have written that off as a business business expense. We don't have a an income. A, yeah, or a business. Not yet. <laughs> I'm just saying, Mr. Geographic. I know you're listening, and we got beef. That's all I'll say on that. Well, there goes a sponsor opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so one last quick thing, Owen. Uh, this island that he was marooned on, Mas Atira. It's a real place. You can still go there. Um, in fact, is there like a goat statue <laughs> to stir up some tourism? The Chilean government oh, all right. renamed the island to Robinson Crusoe Island in 1966. It's pretty cool. Now, uh, Zimbala X. Wait, real quick. You said it's 400 miles off the coast there, right? Yeah. Is there an airport? Yeah, there is. I looked okay, on, I was I gonna say, I'm not, I'm not taking a, a 400 mile like ship ride. There's on one a ferry. runway and then like a 20 mile road to get into this tiny town. Yeah, that doesn't seem worth it. Yeah. Uh, Zimbala X, a local guide on Google Maps, gives it five stars. Do you want to hear his review? Well, that seems a little conflict of interest if he's the guide. No, local guide is just like a status. Oh, I thought you said local guide. No. I it's a Google Maps thing, not, not a Masati, not sorry, not a Robinson Crusoe Island thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you want to hear his review? Yeah, I do. Very, spelled V-E-R-I. <laughs> very nice. The city was small but comfy. The people is very friendly, not like cannibals. The food was very nice. It did not taste much like human flesh. The nature was absolute gorgeous. Did, did he think he was going to a cannibal island? <laughs> Five stars. Also, if you Zimbala think X. you're going to a cannibal island... Why would you go to a cannibal island? And why would you eat the food on a... <laughs> Local guide. <laughs> All so, right. yeah, that's the story of Alexander Selkirk. It's really cool. I've never heard of that. Um, so, I also have a survivor, survivor story. Uh, it's a lot more recent. Uh, I don't think I went nearly as much into detail as you did. And I don't think I can do the story justice. Um, but it's pretty wild. I showed you the video earlier. Well, it was I'll talk a about spooky that later. video. Um, all right, so uh, it's May 26th, 2013, and we're 20 miles off the coast of Nigeria. Okay, good start. Good place, good start. Great setup, right? Uh, so 29-year-old Harrison Ode- Odegba Okani. Okini. Harrison Odegba Okani. There we go. Sounds right. Settles into bed after a long night of feeding the hungry crew of 11 others. See the, the ship cook? Yes. When he when his head hits the pillow and he drifts off into sleep, what what, <laughs> what to come would surely be a nightmare. Oh my goodness! That was pretty that was good. good. That was pretty good. Um, so he was a cook on the tugboat Jascon Four off the coast of Nigeria. That's a sick name for a ship. Jascon Four. Better than the Bachelor. Yeah, I mean I'm sure there's like one, two, and three. Yeah. But like I like Jascon. Is Jascon a Nigerian word? 
It's just J-A-S-C-O-N. I don't know. Does it mean something cool? I didn't do any of it. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was very superficial on this one. Um, so the coast of Nigeria is rich in oil. Um, so many like large oil companies um, inhabit the area off the coast of Nigeria. They have offshore, um, uh, offshore. What, what are those called? Uh, oil derricks. Oil. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and obviously the uh, the waters is just like uh, frequented by like oil tankers and like cargo tankers and yeah, stuff. Hence the tugboats. Yes. So because of this, um, those waters are also one of the worst in the world for piracy. Naturally. Little known fact. It just seems like Africa does not like their coasts. Um, so they're Nigerian pirates as opposed to the Somalian pirates. Yeah, I mean, they're probably like a little bit Nigerian and then whatever the other countries are um, in, in and around Nigeria. Because it's not just Nigeria that shares this coast. It's like Angola around there, I think. I don't know. There's like a, there's one small one. I'm not going to just like pretend to name stuff. I think but... Guinea's around there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, with the rampant piracy, it made the jobs of these tugboat guys, as well as everyone else that worked in the oil companies, extremely dangerous. Um, so Harrison was one of three tugboats, or was on one of the three. <laughs> Harrison was on one of three tugboats, the Jascon 4. Um, these three tugboats were tasked with towing an oil tanker roughly 20 miles off the Nigerian wait, coast. Wait, 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 wait. There's three tugboats? Yeah, there's three total tugboats. So it's one, two, four? Yeah, I don't know if the rest are named Jazzcon. <laughs> I mean, like, Jazzcon, like, two could just, like, you know, be sitting there, not wanting to do anything. Okay. Um, so they were tasked with uh, towing an oil tanker back to the to a, a Nigerian coastal town. Um, it broke down, whatever. It's not really that important. Um, so all three tugboats last, latched ropes to the tanker and began to slow pull back to the shore. So I, they just, like, dragged the boat back. So is the is the water too shallow for the tanker to drive itself no it sounds like the tugboat broke or excuse me the tanker broke down oh okay and that's why they had to incorporate three tugboats because it was such a large boat okay that like one tugboat couldn't bring it back itself gotcha um so at roughly 4 30 in the morning in rough waters with large swells the jascon 4 keeled over due to a large swell so a big swell hit it from the side it keeled over onto its side so it's just fully upside down correct um so the tow line snapped and it just left the boat helpless in the rough seas uh, all the all the other ships could do was watch in horror as the as they witnessed Jascon Four quickly keel over and disappear into the ocean. So no one attempted anything. It sank incredibly quickly because the waters were really rough. Oh really? So it it a wave hit it from its side. It keeled over and then it was just upside down in rough waters. Like the line that it was towing the oil tanker was snapped and then like the boat was drifting away, sinking. Yikes. Yeah, and it's also like the water's rampant with piracy. I'm probably just going to be like, that sucks. Good time to leave. <laughs> yeah, uh, good time to get out of here. Um, so due to the piracy in, this water, in the waters, um, the company had a policy that when the crew was to go to bed, they had to lock every single door on the tugboat, including like their cabin doors, the bathroom doors, the doors to the outside, the doors to the kitchen, everything. Oh, so if they were trying to get out, all the doors were locked? Yeah. Oh, so they couldn't even... No. Oh, no. Yeah. So, um, I have here that this policy was a death sentence for the crew. Sounds like it. Sounds awful, right? Um, so, as not only did they have to unlock the cabin door to escape, they also had to unlock every single door on their path to freedom. Uh, it is reported that of the 12 crew members, 11 died. 
So oh, because not the freaking a, doors were locked? Not a single one escaped the boat. Who who designed that policy? I mean, they probably watched, like, what, what was that? Captain, uh... Captain Phillips? Captain Phillips, and was just like, not today. Um... Actually, I think that happened after Captain... Anyways, anyways. Because you know there was some guy in the strategy meeting that where they like, were like, all right, guys, incredibly we're, unsafe. we're enacting a new policy that says anytime you go to sleep, you got to lock all the doors. There's one guy that's like, wait, what happens if the boat tips over? I mean, I, I guess I can understand, like, locking the, like, outside, like, the, you know, the watertight doors on the outside and, like, maybe, like, you know how there's always, like, a vestibule area? Yeah. Like, maybe locking those two doors and not, like, my cabin door and the door to get into the hallway and then the next hallway door to get to the stairs and then the, the d- door at the top of the stairs and then, like, the two doors to get out. Seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, so, naturally, the crew just at, just struggled and it did not go well for them. Um, now, what happened to Harrison, you might be asking? I heard you ask. I was asking. What happened? I'm sorry for that. Uh, so, luckily for Harrison, he had woken up just minutes before the sinking of the ship and had stumbled his way to the bathroom only in his boxers. While in the bathroom, the ship began to sink. Dude, that must be terrifying when you're on the bathroom. Imagine you're, you're squeezing a number two out. Yeah. And then suddenly you're upside down. Yeah. And there's water flooding in. <laughs> and it's not just the water from the outside. <laughs> um, so, while in the bathroom, the ship began to sink. Um, so, it started to sink and he was like, oh shit, right? So, he tries to open the the bathroom door to get out into the hallway and he's meeting like insane resistance and it's because there's just water rushing in yeah so he did manage to get the he did manage to get the door open but he could only get it open a crack and as he's looking out into the hallway he sees three crew members trying to open a door to like into a to get up into the stairwell to go upstairs to get out and as they open the door like a swell of water rushed in and took the three crew members into another room so he like watched in terror as like a, just a like huge wave of water like just very clearly trapped three of his like his crewmates into a room. That same swell came into the bathroom, like took him out of the bathroom and threw him into like a um like an officer's cabin and it like pushed him into it like this tiny little officer cabin's uh, bathroom. Okay. So he's in a ship. It's upside down. Water's flooding in. So this poor guy's holding onto a sink. That's on the ceiling now because it's upside down. So he's holding onto a sink to keep his head above the water. Okay. And so the boat sank so quickly that um, air pockets develop. You know, when you like, you take a cup and you like throw it in the water and it's upside down, you know, there's air. So luckily for him, since the boat sank so quickly, there was an air pocket in this tiny little bathroom for him. Um, And luckily as well for him, um, since it was witnessed by three ships, uh, they quickly called for a rescue effort. Uh, so a diving crew um, came out. Uh, I don't know the timeline of how long after the, yeah. sh- the ship sank, but it, everything I read, it, it just like stated quickly. Well, that's so good at least. They were 20 miles off the coast, so I don't know, like an hour. <laughs> um, so the diving crew was able to locate the wreckage, but it was 100 feet um, beneath the surface sitting on the bottom. Uh, it was upside down, and since the, the boat landed in like, I guess there was like silty water, uh, silt like on the bottom yeah. it was sandy and muddy so that was all picking up so the water around the boat was just like the visibility was like you couldn't see your hand two inches in front of your face like that video i showed you that yeah. was the visibility the entire I've, time i've swam in some silty water and it was can't see anything quite horrifying yeah like you just can't see anything um so since the crew wasn't equipped for deep diving they didn't think the boat was that deep so i guess like their policy is for like rescue efforts you dive down 
and then you knock on the hole in like any door or window you can find and then you wait to hear if someone knocks back and that's how you know if someone's alive so naturally they did that poor old harrison was like inside like i said in a bathroom so it wasn't like against an outer wall so he heard them banging and he was banging back but they couldn't hear him oh no so rescue efforts were called off um the diving crew pulled out went back and then in a couple days a salvage crew came out so they're just assuming that everyone on board is dead yeah so like they're like hey we're gonna call off rescue efforts it's horrible weather it's like 5 a.m we'll come back out when we have the resources to to salvage the boat okay um they know where it is and everything so it's like you know it's like oh we'll just come back when the weather's better yeah um so for harrison it's now approximately one day later uh, and he's still clinging to this tiny air pocket within the uh, within the bathroom, just holding onto a sink. It is pitch black. He's in freezing cold water. It's about up to like just about to his neck Yikes. for a day straight. Dude, um, my arms will give out. Yeah, I mean you also float in water though. That's true. But like still, like I can't like I can tread water for like I don't know like two three minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm pretty buoyant though. Yeah, you, know? you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like still, you're in pitch black water. Or you're just, excuse me, you're just in the darkness, in freezing cold water. People were banging outside, and then you don't hear anything. So, like, I, I would just be terrified. I wouldn't know what to do at that point, right? I'd be accepting my fate at this point. Yeah. Harrison didn't. So, Harrison knew that uh, he would be running out of air in this tiny little air pocket that he was in. So, this guy decided that he was going to find his way in the darkness. And he wanted to attempt to escape the boat. He didn't realize how deep he was. Had no idea where he was within the boat itself. He just knew he was in a bathroom in the boat. How deep is the boat in the water? A uh, hundred feet. It's at the, so the bottom of the ocean is a hundred feet, so and they're at, it's it's at. So theoretically, if he were to attempt to escape, he would have to. He would die. He would have to hold his breath through, find his way through the entire ship. Unlocking unlocking doors in the dark. Yep. Upside, upside down, down and then swim a hundred feet to the surface correct and not try to die from like what what is that called i have it written down in here um, oh the bends yeah yeah which is also what's the real word for it i know the bends is what it's called as well um, um i don't know the real word oh decompression sickness that's it that's what it is nitrogen bubbles yeah nitrogen bubbles in here it's not great for your brain <laughs> no. um so so it's one day later, he knew he had to find a different air pocket to survive or at least try to escape, right? So he took a big breath, went underneath the water in pitch black, felt his way through and just miraculously just wound up in another room. Um, it was like a different officer's cabin that he wound up in. Um, and it's estimated from his estimations and the, the we'll get there. Um, that it's roughly about a four foot long by four foot high air pocket, so it's about a square. Okay, so Enough much to bigger for a while. Yeah, so much bigger than where he is now. Yeah. So he's like, okay, I figured out the problem of air, but I'm in freezing cold water in pitch black, and I'm just wearing boxers. Like I'm gonna die of hypothermia. Yeah. So he gets his bearings and is like, okay, like I mean, it's still pitch black in there, so I feel like no matter how long you're in pitch black, you'll never truly be able to see anything. Correct. Um, so he's like, all right, I need to find something that'll get me out of the water or at least partially out because he's still like, he's still like up to his, like his chest in water. So it's not going to go well. So he finds like, I think it was like a hammer or like a screwdriver in a, in a, uh, in a drawer, like a desk drawer. And he uses that to like, uh, scrape off the metal paneling on a wall. And he also finds a soaked mattress. So he's able to get the mattress to float on top of the water. And then with the metal paneling, he makes himself like a little bed kind of thing that he can sit on 
So it's still not taking him fully out of the water, but now his upper half is out of the water. Yeah. So it's just like his legs are going to be sitting in the water from now. Okay. Um, so he's helped himself with hypothermia, right? Um, so the, uh, where is it? So the company of the tugboat, Jascon 4, had sought the help of the DCN Global, uh, which is apparently like a huge oil company that was... Like they were towing their boat back. The tugboat was just licensed through a smaller company. Okay. Um, but DCN Global sought a um, a salvage company to retrieve their boat for them. Um, so the team supplied a deep deep dive salvage team as well as like a deep diving boat. I guess it's like a specialty boat kind of thing that can like it has cranes and stuff to pull the boat up and then like has doesn't really matter but it has space to tow the boat back. Okay. Um. So the task of the head, the task ahead of the crew was daunting. Not only did they have to retrieve the bodies of the crew, but the boat was capsized, uh, sunk in fine silt, had zero visibility, and was locked from the inside out. So did they have to like cut through all the doors? Yeah. So um, a dive team of three men called Dive Team Two um, took on the task. The supervisor of the dive team was Colby Warrett, and he was talking to the crew via. Um, like radio communication, and they also had a camera on their lead diver, who was Nico. I don't know if I have his last name. Uh, Nico Van Heerden was the main diver. Okay. Um, so the supervisor had a camera on Nico, could see what Nico was doing, and could talk to all three divers. That sounds like the name of a man that would break your heart. Nico? A, a scuba diver named Nico? <laughs> yeah, right? W- works off the coast of Nigeria. He spent a summer with him in Greece, and then he leaves you for another one. <laughs> um... Yeah, so that's Nico. <laughs> Sounds like a real cool dude. Right? Uh, honestly, kind of badass, I'm not going to lie. Like a deep dive salvage guy. I think those guys make pretty good money. Too. I would probably, I would hope they make bank. I'm too scared to do it, though. Dude, I really want to, like, get my scuba license, but I, like, if I can't see more than, like, 50 feet in front of me, I'm not going in the water. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so the team spent over an hour breaking through the exterior and interior metal doors that led inside the boat. So like I said, the little vestibule area. So okay. it took them over an hour. It was just three guys at 100 foot depth trying to break through. Okay. Um, with the boat being capsized and the water filled with fine settlement, it was nearly impossible for the divers to get their bearings on where they are. So that's where Colby came in. He had the blueprints of the boat. So he had to like tell them in detail be like okay a railing is going to be on your right follow that railing down the hall it'll bring you to this crew cabin check the crew cabin and then so he had to explain exactly where each diver was because it was just the divers couldn't see a single thing that sounds horrifying and i feel like it's also pretty disorienting to be swimming in a boat that's like upside down yeah because because it should the the railing should be on your right along the like somewhat close to the ground but then it's on your left by the ceiling because it's upside down yeah and it's, yeah, I would just be claustrophobic, confused. I would not be having a good time with my, this. My wetsuit would be wet. Yes, it would. Same. <laughs> uh, so one diver, Nico Van Heerden, decided to swim up to a stairwell to get to the, uh, like, technically the lower deck because it was capsized. So he was swimming up. Okay. Um, his team already found four bodies. So he was like, all right, my, my two guys have this floor clear and I'm going to move up to the next floor. Start exploring it, right? Um, so he had to squeeze through this like narrow door because he couldn't fully open the door. Um, and then he had to, there's like, there's a video and it's the, um, the supervisor is trying to instruct him how to like get up the stairs and they're both just like heavily confused cause the stairs are upside down. So okay. it's him trying to figure out how to walk up like upside down stairs. 
So they would you if you were swimming up, it would be like along your back. Yeah. So he they, they were just very confused, and Nico decided that it would be easier for him to like feel it with his feet and like use his feet to like work his way up the so stairs. So he's also upside down at this point. I, I yeah. Everyone yeah, is just, it's just everything. It's a very confusing situation. Yes, yeah, and he can see like four inches in front of his face, and that's it. Yeah. Awful. Um. So. While uh, Nico fought his way through the darkness, and with near zero visibility, he saw something out of the corner of the corner of his eye. A hand was reaching out through the blackness toward his face. Uh, Nico, believing it was just a corpse, attempted to push the hand away. Just terrifyingly, the hand just grabbed his hand. Now, <laughs> I would be. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen. You just showed me this video, yeah. and uh, we. We can't really link to it, but no, I'll, I'll do no. my best to describe it. It's... I mean, yeah, I'll, real quick, I'll say there is, if you just look up his name, um, Harrison Ojegba Okeni on YouTube, you'll find a video. It's wild. It's So it's pretty much just like a silty nightmare. You can't see anything. It's all green, and there's like a bunch of crud floating in the water. Yeah. And then just suddenly you see a hand emerge from nowhere. But, but like at him. Like it, it like lunged at yeah. him. Yeah, and then the diver just sort of like touches it. And then he like squeezes it, and then it squeezes, squeezes back. back. Yeah, uh, and he freaks out. Yeah, and then I think my favorite part of the video is the supervisor was like, so in the video you can only hear the supervisor talking. It's hard to hear the diver, so you hear the diver just like mumble, so, like it's just like high pitched mumbling. And then the supervisor goes, oh, "You have one. He's alive." And then the supervisor just goes, "I don't know what the fuck to do about that." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I get that. Like yeah. you're a salvage team." <laughs> Um, so the, um, the supervisor is like, all right, follow him, get to where he is, reassure him, give him thumbs up, let him know we, you know, like we're here for him. So in the video, uh, the diver surfaces into the little air pocket and you can see, uh, Harrison is just sitting on this like metal, like metal thing with a, with a mattress next to him and like waist high water. And just like, uh, how would you like that expression was just terrified. He was still it was, terrified. It was partly terror and partly like just insane relief because someone did find him yeah and that's like the one of the most hopeless situations you can be in you're just stuck in the darkness knowing you're in a shipwreck yeah and also like you don't know what time it is but like you think a like a day ago someone was knocking on the hole outside and they clearly didn't hear you yeah um it's also reported by harrison that so he was sitting in this room and he heard the commotion outside the boat so he knew someone was coming in and it was like 20 minutes went by and he just saw a light in the hallway go by him so it was Nico swimming by him, and he tried to swim after Nico, but Nico was too fast. So then when Nico worked his way back to the stairwell, that's when Harrison stuck his hand out in front of Nico and surprised the crap out of him. Okay. Um, so he also, Harrison thought, like, oh, I just saw the diver, but my luck is gone. Like, the diver disappeared. So, like, Ugh. still must be an awful feeling yeah. of, like, knowing rescue is right there. Um, so after nearly 60 full hours underwater, Harrison was found. Um, even though Harrison was found, his ordeal wasn't over. Uh, Harrison was suffering from decompression syndrome or the bends and they knew that, um, bringing him to the surface immediately would just kill him. Um, yeah. Cause I don't imagine they have a decompression tank on a salvage boat. They do not. Also the problem is, so they had to send one team member back up. He had to get scuba gear and had to come all the way back down. But the problem was Harrison is obviously not at all an experienced scuba diver. Yeah. These experienced salvage scuba divers are having a horrible time trying to find their way throughout the ship. So they're like, they're worried that Harrison's going to freak out when they get him underwater. I mean, that's what I would do. I would freak out. Um, Harrison just being like this, like, 
badass dude just kept his calm just swam out with the divers like it was absolutely nothing the salvage team had a dive bell waiting for him so he didn't have to surface by himself and they could slowly surface him with the dive bell yeah so they put him in the dive bell slowly surfaced him got him to the surface um and by the time he got to the surface it was roughly 7 p.m on may the 28th oh yikes and they sank on may the 26th oof so he spent 60 hours underwater um the dive crew recovered 10 of the 11 bodies um harrison to this day has vowed to never step foot on a boat again uh he and he still suffers from survivor's guilt and ptsd yeah i would choose a different line of work yeah um he holds the record as the only man to survive on the seafloor for nearly three days oh that's kind of not cool. a record i really want yeah considering he <laughs> has survivor's guilt and ptsd yeah oh i meant to mention um so circle back, kind of miss this part. So when he's in this new cabin sitting there, he starts to like, I think it's like halfway through day two. He's sitting on his little raft thing and he's starting to smell this horrible smell and he knows it's his crew members. And not only that, he's sitting in freezing cold water. He's sitting in the darkness. He's smelling stuff, right? He describes in detail how he hears the fish eating the corpses. Oh, yuck. So he's sitting in the darkest knowing that there's, like, fish and probably, like, some, you know, a shark or two eating the corpses of the people within the boat. Much, much. Like, this guy went through hell. Ugh. But he's still alive today. I don't know what he's doing. Um, I don't think he makes any media appearances. I wouldn't want to. I would just go retire in my house and just not do a single thing with the rest of my life. Yeah. And never step foot near the ocean again. I'd live in a landlocked country, no lakes around. Yeah. I wouldn't have any sinks in my house. <laughs> yeah, a sink's probably a trigger too yeah. now. Maybe even a bathroom. Bottle water only. <laughs> no running water. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is the story of Mr. Harrison Ojegba Okeni. That was um, a truly terrifying sounding ordeal. Yeah, uh, but I highly recommend you guys go watch the video on YouTube. There's it, many videos on YouTube, but it is it's hard for me to explain how terrifying it is and the video does a really good job of it it's real spooky yeah and also i don't know just the look on that man's face was is scary. still terrifying yeah yeah it's terrifying uh, but yeah i uh that's everything i have for today so we hope you enjoyed this uh stranded episode of the what Hot happened podcast um make sure to check us out on uh, Instagram at what happened underscore pod. Uh, we'll be posting some pictures um, of the uh, stories we talked about today. Uh, I might be able to post that uh, video of Harrison being found. And um, I can even uh, post it on the Twitter too. Yeah, we can. At well, official underscore WHPC. So make sure to follow us on Twitter or on Instagram to see this video of um, Harrison. Um, and yeah, until next time. See you guys next week. Oh, by the way, before before we see you next week, make sure to uh, give us a review on uh, whatever. Like and uh, subscribe. Like, like and, and subscribe. Follow. follow. Give us a review. Obviously, if you don't like us, I got you. Keep you, subscribing. I'm not gonna make you subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, have a have a good week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Until next time. Mwah. What happened?